people's souls should be what matters to us the most. Almost every person out there that you come in contact with daily doesn't know the Lord. We get into our Christian bubbles and we forget that. You know, Amanda and I, even with Leah breaking her arm, we did manage to get away for one night and went to St. Augustine for a couple of hours. And when you go into Ripley's, believe it or not, I hadn't been in in years. In there, there is, and carved on the head of a pen, like a sewing pen, the Lord's Prayer. And I mean, it is tiny, but you can see it. Come to find out the guy who carved it was a prisoner because he was making fake money um, carving it back around the turn of the, uh, of the start of the 20th century, 1903 or something. I don't remember. But as I'm standing there, it's packed. It's the most packed I have ever seen St. Augustine. I don't know what was going on. But as I'm standing there, and I go, wow, that's the Lord's Prayer. A young man looks up at his mother and he goes, what's the Lord's Prayer? She goes, I don't know. Folks, we do not live in a Christian nation anymore. More people, often than not, have not been to church than have. So we need to be ready to share Jesus. And I was ready, but they were gone by the time I got there. I was like, man, what a missed opportunity. So pray for that family, because they need Jesus. All right, today we come to chapters 12, 13, and 14 in our study of the book of Corinthians. And we come to an area where there is much controversy. In, in Christendom in general. And what I have found is, is that people in our denomination and in other denominations tend to shy away from this particular books or chapters of this book because of the controversy. Now I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to hit the high points that are here because that's the way Paul starts. And then he gets deeper. This is an introduction, as it were. I'm not going to shy away from what is here. If you disagree with me, that's great. That means we can have a conversation about it, and maybe I'll come away believing different. Maybe you'll come away believing different, or maybe we'll just have to agree to disagree. Okay? But it's not something that we should split over. I want to make that perfectly clear. These are tertiary issues. They are not salvation issues. Um, although it would be a better reason to split over this than it is the waterhead that's on the sprinkler outside or the color of a door, which we've seen that happen before. All right, so let's open with a joke. Title of the message is The Supernatural Gifts of God, and it is an introduction. All right, during the French Revolution... There were three Christians who were sentenced to die by the guillotine. One Christian had the gift of faith. 
Another had the gift of prophecy. And the other had the gift of helps. And the Christian with the gift of faith was to be executed first. And he was asked if he wanted to wear a hood over his head. He declined and said he was not afraid to die. He said, I have faith that God will deliver me. He shouted it. And his head was positioned under the guillotine with his neck on the chopping block, looking up. He looked up at the sharp blade and said a short prayer and waited confidently. The rope was pulled, but nothing happened. His executioners were amazed, and believing that this must have been an act of God, they freed the man. And the Christian with the gift of prophecy, well, he was next up, and he's flabbergasted. And his head was positioned under the guillotine blade, and he too was asked if he wanted a hood. No, he proclaimed. I'm not afraid to die. However, I predict that God will deliver me from this guillotine. He shouted it. And at that, the rope was pulled again, and nothing happened. And once again, the puzzled executioners assumed this is a miracle of God, and they freed the man. Now the third Christian, the one with the gift of helps. All he likes to do is help others. He was next. And he was brought to the guillotine, and likewise, he was asked if he wanted to wear a hood. And, and you can guess what his response was. He said, no. He said, I'm just as brave as those other two guys. And the executioners positioned him face up under the guillotine. And they were about to pull the rope when the man stopped them. He said, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think I just found the problem with your guillotine. You'll get it in a minute. <laughs> He found the problem with the guillotine, why he wasn't chopping men's heads off, and he told them how to fix it. Okay, I'll try to go for a less cerebral joke next time. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, A.W. <laughs> All right, we are back in the book of 1 Corinthians, but, and, and Paul preached the gospel in Corinth in the early 50s and during his second missionary journey. Now, we know that there was great opposition there, and and he was going to leave, and the Lord said in a vision to him that he had many people in the city. And so he decided to stay, and he stayed for 18 months. So we're going to pick it up in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 1. And it reads, and it'll be on the screen. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your text, we ask for clarity of thought, knowledge, and understanding. And Lord, as we hit generalities, uh, Lord, help me to speak your word with truth, grace, and boldness. Change our lives by your word today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, the strong Son of God. And church said, Amen. This is our principle today. If you remember nothing, remember this. The Holy Spirit gives supernatural gifts for the uplifting of all Christians, but watch out for false signs and wonders. Watch out for false signs and wonders. Folks, we do serve a God who is supernatural. And He does give supernatural gifts. We've all had times when we say, hey, you know, I just knew I shouldn't have gotten a car, and I didn't, and come to find out, I'd have been in that accident. That may be a work of God. First of all, we need to watch out for false signs and wonders. I'm going to hit that right off the bat. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and we'll stop at verse 3. And I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation for this, and it says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now here we come to a great problem that has been happening in the Corinthian church. And we'll find out later that, that well, well, we'll get there when we get there, okay? Well, I'm not going to spill the beans. But the problem is so large that we find Paul will spend the next three chapters on spiritual gifts. We call chapter 13 the love chapter, and there's a good reason for that. It's actually on the spiritual gifts. That's the subject. And we'll get there. And we're going to see later that not only was this church zealous for these gifts, especially the speaking in tongues, that they had abused and were probably a bit fleshly when it came to them. Apparently, Paul was asked to address this issue in the churches. And so he writes back. He says, well, he writes back and, and we say, well, what's in view? What is he writing back about? Well, these gifts are not natural abilities. There's many people who have said, oh, well, these are natural abilities. No, they were not. They are supernatural in origin. They were and are given by the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing we've got to come to terms with as we look at the Scripture. These gifts are not worked up by the flesh or through thoughts of another man or movement. They come from the Holy Spirit himself, period. You cannot be taught to speak in tongues. You know, I used to know a guy, and uh, he said, I used to go to a Pentecostal church. And he was, he was pretty upset about it, and I would be too, if, I, if he was told. He said, I don't speak in tongues, but this guy tried to tell me how to speak in tongues. He tried to teach me. I said, that's not something you can teach, that's a gift. He said, I know. Here's what the guy tried to teach him. He said, I tie my tie, you tie your bow tie, sell on my Honda how much? Now say that really fast, over and over, and you're speaking in tongues. That is not speaking in tongues, folks. It is a supernatural gift. Not something you can just say a bunch of words together and tie up your tongue. I can't either. I can't either. I've tried. 
1 Corinthians 12.2 says, You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. Now he reminds them that before they came to Jesus, they were led astray by those claiming to be prophets of the idols. And they did whatever those so-called prophets would say and practiced things that were detestable before God. And the next verse, verse 3 says, So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now this is interesting, isn't it? This means that no one who is truly led by the Spirit of God, whether it is they say it's a gift or whether they're speaking in a normal language or whether they, they feel like they have a word of knowledge, no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. No one. This means that someone empowered by God will not say or do things that bring dishonor to the name of Jesus. And we see examples all over the place today with this one. We see so-called pastors divorcing their wives because they say the Holy Spirit told them to do, this, do it. This happened in um, California, a church in California uh, a few years back. Guy gets up on the pulpit and he says, the Lord, his wife's sitting right on the front pew, by the way, the Lord says I'm to divorce my wife and marry my secretary. And he got a standing ovation. Are you kidding me? God will never go against God, will he? He does not have multiple personality disorder. God is God. Malachi 2.16 says, For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. We're watching as pastors and denominational leaders are giving up on biblical marriage today. And it's happening a lot in the charismatic word faith, um, name it, claim it, whatever you want to call that movement. It's happening a lot. They're giving up on biblical marriage. They're embracing what they call same-sex marriage, which is no marriage at all. It's not marriage. Now, some speakers, and I call them speakers because if they're agreeing with that and going against the Word of God, they definitely aren't pastors. They have said that they have heard from the Lord, that this is okay now, and God approves. Really? Because that's not what the Word of God says. Romans 1.21 says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols, made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did violent, degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sexual relations and instead indulged with each other. And the men, instead of having normal relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result, this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. 
And since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. All those things are listed with homosexuality. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Folks, what I just read from the pulpit, straight from the Bible, not too long from now, somebody's going to come and tell me, you can't be online, Pastor, because you're speaking hate speech. There's a group out there that I know I'll probably get emails from and say I'm speaking hate speech. Now, I'm not sure how someone can take this passage and misinterpret and misrepresent what it says. However, many people have tried, and they are amazing at doing uh, theological gymnastics to excuse their behavior. You see, we as humans, when we look to God and we don't want to repent, we don't come humbly, we are in our pride, whatever our sin may be, whether it's homosexuality or lying or gossiping, whatever it is, we'll look to the Bible, we'll look at God and say, I don't want to repent. In our hearts we say this, not normally in our minds. I don't want to repent. So I'm going to find a way to make it say what I want it to say. When the clear teaching of Scripture is there. Oh, there are some gray areas in Scripture, and we can talk about those. But that is not one of them. Gossiping is not one of them. It was listed just there, wasn't it? And the other ones that were there, pride, those are all sins of somebody who is prideful. To attribute to Jesus things that he never said, and to do things you know he would never do, is to call Jesus accursed. To come out and say to someone, Jesus is accursed by God, is evil and it is sinful. And then Paul says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now what's that supposed to mean? You ever thought about that? What's that supposed to mean? Anyone can say that at, any, that at any time, right? You could say Jesus is Lord and not mean it. Not truly, not from your heart, not really can you say that Jesus is Lord of your life and mean if he's not. So the person who says Jesus is Lord and has no evidence of the Spirit operating in their lives and gives out false prophecies and false gifts, ought to be pushed away from. Have nothing to do with them. They ought to be called heretics, and you should run the opposite direction. Don't tell me, but brother so-and-so on TV has, has good things to say. I just, I just get rid of the, you know, the bad stuff. Don't tell me that. Have nothing to do with it. How do you know if a person truly has Jesus as Lord? Well they're going to have the fruit of the Spirit active in their lives in some way. And when I look at a lot of some of these televangelists and others that I've run across, especially YouTube, it's a place where you can get any kind of message you want to hear. 
You want to hear sin is good? Go to YouTube. You want to hear sin is bad? Go to YouTube. You want to be placated? Go to YouTube. You got itching ears and don't want to hear what the Spirit says? Go to YouTube. So how do we know? Well, look at their lives. Galatians 5.22 through 26 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And you don't have to be perfect in this. As long as the fruit, notice it says fruit and not fruits, because when you have fruit, fruit grows on its own, doesn't it? It's not something you work up. It's something the Holy Spirit produces in you. First one is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. If you don't think that there are false supernatural signs and lying wonders out there, then you are living in a fairy tale world of your own making. People will say, ah, witchcraft is nothing. Most of the time I say that, I'm, I'm with you. But a lot of times it's demonic. As a matter of fact, I was watching a, um, oh, and you've all probably heard this name before. I was watching a documentary uh, last night on uh, Discovery Channel. See, we, we just finally decided to buy the uh, Discovery Plus since, since we hate commercials so that we watch the show without it, you know. And they had a documentary about Hillsong and what's been going on with them. And... There is one person on there who says, I didn't know what the gospel was. And he went to Hillsong's college. I didn't know what the gospel was. You see, they were teaching him health, wealth, and false signs and wonders. And he said, I didn't know what the gospel was until somebody showed me that I was in my sin. May that never be said about anyone here, that we never spoke the gospel to somebody. That we never said, you have to repent of your sin. God is love, that is true. We just sang that. But why? Because there is peace between God and man through the shed blood of Jesus Christ because of my sin. Is there signs? Is there false signs? Yes. Yes, there is. So how to tell if a sign is, is a lying sign or, or a wonder or, or if it's true? Well, here's some practical advice from Betty Miller who once wrote this. Does the sign, miracle or wonder, line up with the Word of God? Is it in God's Word? Does it line up with it? Is there something that they've done, said, or, or whatever that doesn't line up with the Word of God? If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, get rid of it! Next part of advice is, is God receiving the glory for this miracle, or is a man or woman being exalted? Is God receiving the glory, 
or is a man or woman being exalted? I remember in the early 90s, and uh, I'm going to name names, Benny Hinn. Man, I, in the mid-90s, late-90s, I would have friends that, I don't even think they're in the ministry anymore, but friends that would be, go, to, go see him. Man, we got to get down there. God's got a special anointing on him. It was all about him and not about Jesus. You know what I found out? Most of that is actual hypnotism. Not the type where you squawk like dogs and bark like chickens, but did I say that backwards? Yeah, I did. You'll get it later. On your way home, you'll be like, Pastor Joe just said chickens bark. Um, so anyway, uh, but you, if you sit there and you say hallelujah for three hours with a nice chord in the background, you're going to put yourself in a light state of hypnosis. And that's what happens. So be careful of that. Is God receiving the glory or is man or, or somebody else being exalted? Here's another one. Can you picture Christ performing this miracle? Does the miracle draw attention to Christ or to the man performing the miracle? Does this wonder cause you to love and worship God more or put that man more above in your heart? What is the purpose of the miracle? Did you ever notice that in the scriptures, the Lord does not perform miracles just to exhibit his power over men or his power to men? They said, give us a sign. And what did he say? No sign will be given you. And then he talked about his crucifixion and three days rising again. And he called him a wicked and perverse generation seeks a sign. And how many people we got running church to church seeking signs rather than Jesus? God always does a miracle for a specific purpose and a specific reason and always to bring him glory. Not me, not you. Let me give you a little, little illustration of some, something that happened. I spent years around these, these kind of people. And here's one. I was talking with a man once who, he had a friend. He was in college, and, and the friend was from a different country. This was back in the, I think he said, 70s, late 70s. And, but this friend was from a different country. And he had started going to a prayer meeting, and he brought this friend from the other country with him. And someone started to speak in what they called tongues. And the friend turned to him and said, pale as can be, which is hard for a guy who's brown. Okay, pale as can be. And he said, we need to leave now. Right now. So they got up and walked out. They left the friend, him and he and his friend, and the man was speaking, the friend said, the man was speaking my language, but... He wasn't praising Jesus. He was cursing Jesus. He said, cursed is Jesus. He was, he was using curses from my language to curse Jesus and, bla and blaspheme him. And so after that, the man who had brought the friend, he thought to himself, I need to warn these people. There's something wrong. And so he goes in and he goes to tell them. And you know what their response was? Thank you, but brother so-and-so over there has the gift of, of, of spiritually translating tongues, and that's not what he said it means. And he said, my friend speaks the language, what do you mean? And they didn't believe him. 
So you're telling me that someone who says they have a spiritual gift of translation over someone who actually speaks that language is right and the natural speaker is wrong. I don't think so. That's not how that works. That's demonic. you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. The purpose of God's power through you, guess what, is not for you. The purpose of God's power through you is not for you. That's our second point. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. It's not to build you up. It's to build somebody else up. As a Christian, I want to let you know something. And and I've told you this before, and, and maybe you forgot, but... If you really take this to heart, it's going to transform your world. It's going to make you a better Christian. You ready? It's not all about you. It's about Jesus. This life isn't about what you can get. It's about how, who God is and, and how God can draw people to himself using you because you're willing. The purpose of the miraculous spiritual gifts is to draw people to Christ. Not to a man, not to a movement. If people are drawn to man and not to God, then what is going on? Guess what? May not be a God. Maybe of the flesh, or maybe of the devil. Sometimes I think we give the devil too much credit. And then sometimes I think in certain aspects we don't give him enough. Acts chapter 2, verse 5. Let's look at the real. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are from Galilee. In other words, Galileans, they're dumb as a box of rocks. They don't know, they don't know multiple languages. That's like, and, and I'm going to say this because I live there, I'm allowed to. That's like, how can that be? He's from Paisley, you know. Just kidding, sort of. <laughs> but they were completely amazed. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. I want you to notice that I practice saying those names. And I still messed up one or two. I want you to know that. I will admit to my fault. <laughs> they stood there amazed and perplexed, the scripture said. They said, How can, what can this mean? 
They asked each other. And we know, in following, Peter gets up and he says, they are not drunk as you suppose. In other words, it's 9 a.m. in the morning. There's not enough thunderbird in Jerusalem to get all these 120 people drunk already, okay? And he gives the first sermon after Jesus had resurrected and ascended. Guess what? That is a miracle that has never been repeated in its entirety, either in Scripture again or in real life again. That is the day the Holy Spirit came to live in us as believers. But notice, what was the miracle's purpose? What was the miracle's purpose? Remember I said, all miracles of Jesus had a purpose. It says that they all heard in their own languages the wonderful works of God. God gets the glory out of all of it. His name is being praised. And guess what? On that day, over 3,000 people were converted to Christianity after Peter's sermon. That's awesome. That's the true purpose of all miracles of God. To proclaim His power, to proclaim who He is, and to see lives completely transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul also lets us know that all true spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit, not from a false spirit. No false gift can come from God. Did you know that? No false thing can come from God. Now, I was speaking to a pastor once and who said he had a soul winner in his church, and every Sunday this man would bring somebody to church. And he knew every Sunday it'd be either it'd be somebody new or two or three others that came with him before. Every Sunday he'd bring somebody to church. And just about every other Sunday they got saved. And they'd join the church or they'd go join a church closer to them. And then one day it stopped. He stopped even coming to the altar. And he said, what happened? You were inviting people to church. What happened? Now, I wasn't there, but I'm just basing this on the story that he told me. Based on the story, it sounds to me like there were some things perhaps out of order in his spiritual life because there was such a change. Now, whether it was lying signs or wonders, I do not know, but what I can tell you is that this story is very common. You see, the man had gone to a church and he had experienced the power of God, and he spoke in tongues, or so he says, and everything became about that. Everything became about that, not about the saving power of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Does Jesus want people saved more than he wants them to speak in tongues? Yes. Does Jesus want people saved more than he wants words of knowledge? Yes. Does, people, does Jesus want people saved more than he wants words of wisdom? Yes. How about prophecy? Yes. All those things are to draw people to Jesus for salvation. They don't take the place of Jesus. That should have made his life more about bringing people to God, more about sharing the gospel, but instead it usurped it. That's a problem. Last point. The Holy Spirit gives gifts dynamically not permanently. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 says, To one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. We call that 
words of wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Here's the important part. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. You have all these gifts listed here. Some are pretty vague, just working of miracles. Well, what does that mean? It's a miracle. It's just one of those weird things that draws people to Jesus. You have all these gifts listed here. You have one listed here, uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the gift of extraordinary faith, gifts of healing, power to perform miracles, ability to prophesy, discerning of spirits, the ability to speak in an unknown language a person has never spoken before, and finally the ability to even interpret what is being said so that it can be applied to the believer's lives. Notice the focus, though, is not on the individual gifts. It is focused on the one who gives the gifts. Verse 11, 1 Corinthians 12 says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Not as you will, as He wills. You can't work it up. It's a gift. These gifts are not at the believer's will. You can't just say that you own that gift. God gave me the gift of healing. Yeah? How come you're not empty in hospitals? If it's a permanent gift. Because God gave it to you. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11 again. Look at that verse. What's it say? He gives gifts as he wills. When he desires. Not at your will. Meaning, when he desires, and as he desires, he's going to allow that gift to flow, if it's time for that gift to flow. Now, I'm going to make a statement to you, and you might disagree with it, but this is coming from years of firsthand knowledge and experience with the Word of God and with church meetings, etc. I would say that 95 to 99% of those churches today and those people today that claim to have these supernatural gifts are in reality from two different sources and not the Holy Spirit. Source number one, it is from their own minds and fleshly desires. These, especially speaking in tongues, that'll cause people to look at you, won't it? People like that. I was talking to a man, and he had a Pentecostal background, and he said, oh, look, sister so-and-so is here. I guarantee you what, what, what'll happen. She's going to get up there, throw her walker down, run around the church, and then pick up the walker and walk out. Did she need the walker? Probably not. That's what she did. And the source number two, which really scares me. Lying signs and wonders from demonic sources. That scares me. Do I think that's the majority? Nope. I think most of it is in people's own minds. But there are some that do come from demonic sources. Now, how can I say this? Well, when I look at the majority of the people's lives that, that practice this, that I know personally... 
I don't see any of the fruit of the Spirit active in any way in their lives. Their life is always up and always down in the mud. Um, I know a man who says he can operate in the gifts at the drop of a hat, and he's cursing like a sailor and doing drugs and everything else. But he believes he's, he's got these gifts. There are two types of people that are caught up in this stuff. One is a Christian who doesn't know any better. They have been deceived, and they'll eventually, God will move them out of it. Have patience, have love, and let God do his thing. Number two, those that think they're Christians, and they really aren't. They're deceived about salvation. They had an emotional experience, but not a true transformational experience. They will eventually fall away. Let me tell you something. When I was at undergrad, a lot of the music majors would tell me, this is how you do worship, okay, with the music. You get up, you start with something upbeat, get it going, and then gradually you do one or two songs that bring it low, and then you end on a very emotional song to get everybody weepy. And they think it's the power of God when all it is is emotional manipulation. We don't do that here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. Now, I'm going to be quite honest with you. We didn't get into a whole lot today. I didn't get into any of the history of, of, the, of the name it, claim it stuff and all that, and I'm not going to. But if you'd like to get more of that information, you can see me afterward. Uh, if you have any questions or concerns, talk with me later. If you disagree with me, let's have a good conversation about it. I may change my mind. You never know. You may change your mind. Well, we just have to agree to disagree. And that happens too, because that's not a salvation issue. The gifts are not a salvation issue. They're a Christian living issue. And again, if you remember nothing, remember this. The Holy Spirit gives supernatural gifts for the uplifting of all. But watch out for false signs and wonders. As the ladies come...